This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. Everyday life and experiences in the Western Balkans. This podcast relies entirely on supporters who help to keep us sponsor and advert free through our community at patreon.com. You can pledge as little as $1 a month with early access to content and free giveaways. You will find a banner to our Patreon community on our website at balkanadventures.co. Thanks for helping us develop the podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Balkan Adventures podcast. I'm David Bailey, an Englishman in the Balkans. Well, it's been quite some time since the last podcast, and that's mainly been due to, well, a bit of refocus for me. So I took a bit of a break, but I'm back now, recharged with a new look for the podcast. They're still going to be my rambling broadcasts, but I'll also be making as best an effort as I can to introduce you to some interesting people who are connected somehow and in some way with the Western Balkans. So let's crack on. On this episode, I talk to Jose Galagos from California. Jose, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I think it was earlier this year that I was researching on YouTube and came across a video called Bittersweet Bosnia. Jose produced, filmed, directed and published the video, which had a real impact on me. I made a comment. I think I asked Jose that maybe we should meet in the future. Well, you do that, don't you? And link the video on my social media. Then, not so long ago, a message pops up from Jose saying he'll be in Banja I just had to meet him, so sat outside the Hotel Bosna in the centre of Banja Luka on a rather warm Wednesday morning. I was keen to find out more. My name is Jose Gallegos. I'm from San Francisco. Um, my family's from Mexico, so I'm first generation uh, Mexican. Uh, I was raised in the Bay Area, and it was during an interesting time where it was moving into tech. So I was basically saw how... Google and Facebook and all these tech companies kind of bursted in. And as a child, I was always fascinated by movies, films, stories, but I didn't have the confidence or the resources or funds to go to an art school or film school. So I did the next best thing, which was marketing. And went to San Jose State, hustled like crazy, got a lot of good internships, and worked for a couple tech companies. Um, but there was something missing. I felt like I, it, it wasn't fulfilling enough. And it was at one of, one of those tech companies that uh, they had an office in San Francisco and Belgrade. They asked me, hey, do you want to go to Belgrade? And I was like, where, where, the, fuck, where the fuck is this place? <laughs> um, okay, sure, why not? They're paying for my flight. I'm fresh out of college, so let's do it. So I went and... I was there for a month, no, two months. I was supposed to be there for a few weeks, but extended. Those two months changed my life because I knew nothing about this region. But what blew me away was the people, and I felt so connected to them. So as I came back to the States and everyone was like, how was it? I hate that question when you come back. It's like, how was it? You can't say that in a few sentences. So I decided I'm going to make a film. Um, not overthinking it, just simply to share share with my friends and family. And I made my first film, which was called This is Serbia. What's that? And then we cover it. We cover it. And then she got, you get a little bit... To rest. To rest. Yeah. <laughs> what is this called? Gibanitz. 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 
I realized whatever I ate in Serbia, everything tasted way more rich in flavor. And that's because most of their produce comes from real farms that aren't adding pesticides or GMO. So everything you eat here will taste 10 times better. You mean you put him in a bed? <laughs> You're gonna be a movie star. You're gonna be in my movie. And you know, I got pretty good traction from from uh, my friends, but it started to get a little, little bit more bigger, and uh, it got featured on one of the main broadcast stations in Serbia. And there I was on the homepage, and all my friends were like going crazy, and I was like, "Whoa!" And then that's what. Uh, hit me you know what this could work so a few weeks after I quit my job and I was very fortunate because I worked my ass off at this job I was working like 13 14 hours a day so I did deliver good results and I was able to have a freelance contract so I'm able to pay my money I still get money as I travel and that's what led me to continue to learn more about the, the rest of the region and then that's when I decided okay next place I want to go is Bosnia and came here for three months and all I knew is that I wanted to share my experience um, about the people and I remember just writing and writing and I struggled I was like I don't even know what I want to show but it was all a process but as I spent more time here I realized the story here is that the people are quite incredible and and really down to earth and because they've lost a lot they also have their priorities about quality of life and family time so after spending three months, I had over like 30 hours of footage, went back home. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I just knew that I, I uh, there was a story here and I just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. And then that's how I created Bittersweet Bosnia. Georgette was my tour guide around the village. We would go explore the countryside, and he would tell me about his favorite memories growing up. You definitely get a sense of the quality of life is great and easygoing, but his biggest disappointment is the limited amount of career opportunities. He also introduced me to all his friends around the village. I was curious to learn about their perspective of Bosnia and what they plan for the future. Okay, okay. What's your name? Huh? Nicola. Nicola. How old are you? Uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? Where do you want to travel? Serbia? You've met a lot of people when you've been here and you know you're, you're going off when we finish talking now to meet some Banyalukarans if we call them that. You know you said I was so inspired to talk. I left my job. You gave up everything to pursue a passion. 
you know, when you talk to people in the Balkans, young people in particular, and you say, you know, I just left my job to do this, what is their reaction? Do they think you're, do, do, do they think, do they think you're crazy? Do they, do they think that, how can you do this? Just, I'm leaving my job, I'm going to go and do something. Are you fucking crazy? You haven't even, you don't really know much about films. You don't even know how to you put the manual setting on, on the camera. And I met a lot of people who told me, like, you kind of have no idea what you're doing with your camera. I was like, yes. But I know that there's a purpose and there's a story, and that, that's, that's all I need. I felt that kind of sharing my story kind of also opened the conversation about what about you? What's your passion? What do you want to do? And I think it was a great moment of clarity for them and hopefully motivation to you know, go after what they want. I can't say that everyone made a new leap of change, but I think it was good just to show that, especially for me, coming immigrant, there's nothing easy about my life, but that whatever you set your mind to and your passion and you make calculated risk, but ultimately you just got to fucking make a risk. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. In the film, Bittersweet Bosnia, how did you land on on the particular stories i mean some of it's urban some of it is rural and especially here to get rural stories it takes a bit of seeking out the people and then when you found the people who you know they, they might live away from a city but they're intensely private you know taking a camera into somebody's backyard is not only an immense undertaking but i would say a bloody scary one as well so how did you cope with those sort of pressures? And more importantly, how did you find the stories that you knew that you could film? The first connection I made with Bosnia was actually, I had a friend who lived in Serbia. He was, he was born near Shevonica. And he said, hey, why don't you go stay with my family and you can get some footage there. So he introduced me and like all Balkan families, they take you under and let stay and very hospitable. And feed hospitable. you. Yes. <laughs> And I'll drink you. <laughs> it was a bit awkward, especially I'm not, this is all new to me. I've never done interviews. I don't have any, any formal training, but I just kept saying to myself, just keep it natural. Like the way you talk to people, just kind of do that. So that little town, there was some rumors going around that I was a spy. And why are you doing this? But I think before I jumped the gun and say, I'm going to record you, I first needed to build that relationship and they needed to learn who I was and also, you know, get drunk with them, tell our stories. And then it became easier to, to kind of convey to them, hey, let's, let's talk, let's, uh, let's share some stories. And I was never super, like, intrusive. It was just more kind of telling genuinely that I just want to tell the world that you guys are good people because there's a lot of bad misconceptions about what this area is. This is the Balkan Adventures podcast. I went there... For a week, it didn't work out, and I had to come back again because I didn't get the right footage, or I was too nervous to ask people. So it just it takes time, it takes trust. With Sarajevo, I didn't know anyone. Stayed at a hostel, and the first month I was in Sarajevo, I was just around tourists. I think a month, like a few weeks in, I was like, wait, 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 I'm not, I'm not experiencing Sarajevo the way the locals do i'm experiencing how foreigners and talking about the same things that we talk about home the great thing is that it became very close to the uh, employees there who were locals and hey let me introduce you to someone and they helped me out and little bit by little opening relationships starting with same thing same concept just drinking laughing eating and then they, they opened up and then with my last stop which was banya luca 
I was actually at the film festival, and I was like, okay, I need to like connect with someone. Like, I'm not good at networking, and I remember I just was at the、uh, filming party, kind of sneaked in, and I was like, I'm kind of fucking nervous, so、uh, I just went to the open bar and just started. They didn't have any liquor, and beer takes too long to feel anything, so I was like, I was just pounding wine glasses, and then I see, I was like, okay, I gotta look around. And then I see this guy standing by himself. I was like, "All right," as they say, "Yeah, we got fuck it." And I just went up to him and I was like, "Hey, I'm Jose. What are you What are you here for?" Or and he's like, "Oh, I actually have a film screening here. See it tomorrow." Then we just started talking. So I went the next day to see his screening. He made a documentary about、um, two blind girls who were learning how to snowboard. Actually, incredible story. And I'll share the link with you so you can so you can watch that. But anyways, I told him what I was doing. I was like, "Hey, I'm here and I'm, I'm trying to make a film about Bosnia." And, And he was like, "Come to Banja Luka, stay with us, and I have production studio, and you can, we can help you." I was like, "Okay." I was a bit nervous when I was on the train. I was like, "Something could go terribly wrong," but I always have good faith in people. And they picked me up and just worked from their office, and and it was great because they helped me a lot with the technical. Like I didn't even know how to handle a camera. I was shaky too, and they helped me in that aspect to how to make it. Film look more beautiful, more the technical part. But most importantly, they help me understand their perspective, build trust, and、um, share stories. You know, I look British, even with my advanced age, and people will say, you know, you're not. We, we know straight away, you're not one of us. And in the years I've been here, it's become more and more obvious that Balkan people、um, compartmentalize others. Germans are always Schwaber. Uh, the French, they, they can they, apparently they can spend, you know, realize that there's a Frenchman in the room at a hundred meters. I don't know how they do that, but they seem to know who's who in the zoo, and 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 they're happy with that because they can they can compartmentalize that. And especially when it comes in this part of the country, when you mention anybody that comes from the United States, <gasps> American, American. But I really would like an honest answer about this. You know, Mexicans, you don't find people from Mexico. Falling off the trees in Bosnia Herzegovina, let alone the Republika Srpska, and when people say, "Hey, Jose, where do you come from?" Because obviously, I would assume, sorry, they think you're Spanish, and you go, "I come from Mexico." There must have been some stunned looks. Yeah, yeah, it's always like just shakes their head, like, "Oh, okay, this is a first." Most of the time, I'm the first Mexican they meet. Are they full of inquisitive questions? Yeah, but if anything, they're really warm. They're actually really interested and fascinated. And here, I think it was in the '90s that Spanish soap operas were really big. And you'll be actually surprised of how many people can actually learn know Spanish. And they actually think Mexico is very cool and very interesting. And the, the language, the music, the women, the hats. <laughs> exactly. So it's actually very warm and receptive. I, you know, I am. I was born in America, so I, you know, I am Mexican American. But if I start off with American, it's it's always really interesting because it's the tone really changes. Like, oh, okay, whatever. Usually, when I go in taxis, I usually just say I'm Mexican, so I don't get ripped off as much. And I remember one time in a taxi ride, I remember it's like, oh, Mexico, yes, good people. Ah,、uh, America, oh, bad, bad, bad people. And I was like, thank God, I. <laughs> And brown, and、uh, I can kind of play around with my identity. I've taken enough of your time this morning, and you've got to get off to another meeting. So here's the final one, which some people say, "God, I wish I hadn't asked that." You know, I could have been prepared, but mate, you, you're not going to be an exception here. Without giving too much away, plans for the immediate, mid, and long term for you as a filmmaker. 
this year has really tested me as far as like, you know, do I want to continue filmmaking? My contract with my company ended a few months ago, and then suddenly I had no money coming in. And on top of that, you know, my family's business was also kind of going down to shit. So I was like, fuck, I gotta like get my shit together. And I had two choices: I can, you know, I can work back at a tech company and make, you know. Six figures, live a comfortable life, but I don't have that flexibility to invest. Or I can, you know,、uh, just hustle my ass off, and that's something I've learned from, you know, my mother coming from immigrant backgrounds. Like, you, you got to work twice as hard and three times as hard. I just see myself like, wow, I was born in America. I had an education. I speak English. I built some skills. So、uh, that kind of gives me the confidence to go on. So. Uh, in the two months of kind of kind of going crazy and、uh, hoping everything would work out, I was able to land two clients, and it's the same skills that I've learned in marketing, which are、um, content. And、um, now my goal is to leverage this and create a basically start a marketing agency and kind of hire people who can help do the day to day, and I handle the, the client communication. And this、uh, this agency is going to give me the the flexibility and the funds to continue to make more films. This is a long term thing. This is going to be five, ten years. It's not an overnight success. But I'm very committed, and I I definitely see signs, and I, and I feel that this is every day I'm doing this. I feel like I'm doing the right thing, and it, and it excites me, and it, and and it empowers me, and especially when I. Come around and 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 to hear you know words from you that that just only pushes me harder. So、um, I'm going to continue making more films about the Falcons and continue to make more films about just people. It's all kind of played a perfect role. Jose Galagos from California talking to me about making videos in his own unique style about the world and at the moment about the Western Balkans. To find out more about Jose and the videos we talked about, please do check out the links in the show notes with this podcast. Well, that's it for this episode. I really do hope you've enjoyed it, and if you'd like to support the podcast and my blog and vlog too, please consider joining my Patreon community. So, until next time, from here, Neil Aktashi in northern Bosnia and Herzegovina, please do stay safe. To find out more about us and where we live, why not check out our blog at anenglishmaninthebalkans.com. See you next time.